then uh, multiple scientists, there's actually a lawsuit going on for who owns it, um, have now worked out how to edit those genes. So that's essentially becoming God, right? So you can now rewrite the human code, which one thing is aging, for example. Welcome to the New Wave Entrepreneur, where we dive headfirst into Web 3.0, personal sovereignty, spirituality, and psychology. These conversations are unfiltered access to brilliant minds and actionable advice that will prepare you for the rapidly changing world. So jump in. The water is warm and the tide is rising. Ah, my friends, welcome back to the New Wave Podcast. Daniel DiPiazza checking in with you here and just so happy to have you. Uh, It's honestly a joy to host these and it's the end of the month. It's the end of March and we have done something that I have never done before in my life, which is produce a, a podcast every single day. And you'll remember that the Daniel DiPiazza show, well, it was really originally the Rich 20-something podcast, uh, which is a throwback, and we're going to talk about throwbacks episodes in a minute, but originally the Rich 20-something podcast then became the Daniel DiPiazza show, and that ran from 2015 to 2019. And over four years, we produced 100 episodes, which really equates to about an episode every other week, about two a month. You know, and sometimes I would go slower, sometimes faster. Sometimes it would be three a month, sometimes it would be one a month. So it's not that fast of a rate of production. It's pretty good. 100 episodes is not bad, but over four years, it's a long time. Now, doing this again, coming back and thinking of it from a new perspective, I am, well, we're, we're many, many episodes in now. And this past month, we did 31 in a row. Okay. So that's in the span of 30 days, 31 days. And so you can see how quickly we're turning this out. And I think the content is amazing. I mean, we've had incredible new guests. Uh, we've had really good, I, I feel like, um, mindset stuff. We've done great Q&A. You guys have been asking fantastic questions. And of course, we have some fantastic throwbacks just to jog your memory on the things that happened you know, up to this point. So today is Peter Martin. And I met Peter in LA in 2017. And he is a producer. He's a television producer. He's also uh, a technologist, a futurist who works with AR projects, VR projects, AI, and things of that nature. And the conversation that we have on this show, uh, on this episode, is very, it's very, I'd say, prescient because of everything that's happening now with, with AR, with AI, with blockchain, all of this stuff is, is highly relevant, highly relevant. And this is all pre-pandemic, of course. But I specifically picked this episode because of uh, how interesting it is to listen to his perspective on technology just five years ago. And what's interesting about Peter, too, is that he's also someone who contributed to the creation of the show Black Mirror, which is uh, one of my favorite shows and also has many of the uh, pseudo grim technology topics that then became realities in the in the the presence, similar to like uh, vaccines and some of the, the lockdowns that happened and social um, uh, social media tracking and AI and all these things are happening that we're, that we're just learning about now. Uh, you know, that show is kind of predicted in a way. So it's really an interesting, interesting episode to listen to and one to think about from that perspective. Uh, and while you're there, you know, make sure that you're listening to these episodes, if you can, on our website, newwaveentrepreneur.com. We stream all the episodes there. And sometimes they don't upload right away to the platforms for whatever reasons the platforms fuck it up, uh, like Spotify and iTunes. But our website's always freshly updated. 
And when you go on there, you can get free guides. We have a whole bunch of free resources. I'm adding the community discord to newwaveentrepreneur.com. Uh, we have uh, workshop updates. So make sure you're checking out that website. You can get on the email list as well. And we'll just, uh, we'll just email you when the podcast come out. So make sure you're doing it. Uh, that's all I got for that. Oh, and if you're listening to this on Spotify or iTunes, make sure you're subscribing and, uh, and leaving a comment and a review. That helps us to get better guests on the show because they see that people like the show and they want to be on it. At the end of the day, people just want to talk to people who want to hear them. So <laughs> if you can help out by giving the podcast a rating and a review, we'd appreciate it. Thank you so much. And let's jump into this episode with Peter Martin. This is the Rich 20-something Podcast with Daniel DiPiazza. Peter Martin, here in the studio, and I haven't seen you since, what was it, November, December? Yeah, November. one of those lovely soirees. Yeah. Uh, you know there's another one coming up. I will be there. Yeah. Obviously. Are you going to be there? I'll probably be there. I'll probably there. be there. It's on yeah. this weekend. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's on the 11th. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not invited then. <laughs> Jesus, I'm yeah, off the well, list. You can come. No, I'm not invited to the dinner. I'm invited to the salon. Yeah, that thing. Um, what, uh, what have you been up to? So I just launched a brand new project a few weeks ago at CES. You know, it's just a big uh, tech show in Vegas. And it was for uh, Intel. And it was a project about the Smithsonian Museum. And uh, it's, it's actually the American Museum of Art. It's, it's called yeah. SAM. And they wanted me to figure out how can you bring an art gallery and art to life in virtual reality? Does it have any place? Is it better? Can you make going to a museum more interesting? So I, that was the challenge. They gave me the challenge on Thanksgiving. and I had to deliver the day before Christmas Eve. So I only had three weeks. So we we did it and we we launched it a few weeks ago and, um, and we're refining it now because it was like a kind of prototype that we we launched, but did three interactive art exhibitions. Who are the um, artists? So there, um, there's a living American artist called Alex Prager, who's a video artist. Um, and she has a three screen projection at the Smithsonian called A Face in the Crowd. It actually stars Elizabeth Banks, the mm -hmm. actress. And it's a large-scale projection. So we've replicated that in VR. So you put a headset on, you can walk around the the exhibition. Wow. But we've also scanned the artist with 60 cameras, a company called Atai. It's called Volumetric Capture. And we've placed her inside her own artwork. So in VR, you can not only experience her movie, you can talk to her. Wow. You know, and she explains, like a director's commentary. Wow. On the piece. So that's the first time anyone's tried that. And it seemed to work. Wow. Um, the same company I did that with, actually, we were at Sundance together. They just launched John Hamm in a, in a movie called Marjorie Prime. And he's playing a hologram in the movie. Okay. Right. So he's like a dead actor that is brought back to life as a hologram. And we made him a hologram. So Atai well, not we, the company, my partners, uh, scanned John Hamm. So he was popping up in videos all over Sundance and people were thinking he was there and it was actually his hologram. Now, now just, just to, um, to, to lend some clarity, clarity yeah. to this, recently um, there have been like a few waves of, for instance, they had like Tupac come back at Coachella, but that yeah. wasn't really a hologram. That was like a mirror, right? It's uh, it's called Pepper's Ghost. Right. Yeah. So the technology, right. uh, it's actually a Victorian magic trick. So the, the guy who invented it, uh, invented it by accident. It's a mirror, slanted 
45 degrees. Yeah. And his cat actually ran behind it or in so, sort of a, an angle where he couldn't see. And the cat was projected on the wall. Yeah. And he was Pepper, like, oh, obviously. yeah, he was John Pepper, right? And that's the ghost. So that's all the holograms you've seen up until now. Tupac, the gorillas, 2006 with Madonna. Um Michael Jackson at the Billboard Awards did, two years did, ago. I didn't see that. Yeah, they they were all using that technology, which was Pepper's Ghost. So more recently, uh, there's an advance in the technology. It's only taken 200 years. You know, don't know why they <laughs> waited so long. Yeah, and you can uh, what's the holdup? Directly project onto to the screen. So essentially, it's it's an invisible cinema screen. Right. But most of the screens required this um, Pepper's Ghost effect bouncing off a mirror to create this depth of field illusion. Right. Now you can project straight onto it. And you have a rear projection that creates the depth of field. So, so yeah. this still is a projection onto a screen, not an independent Yeah. It's projection. a floating screen. So often Beyonce just did one for a title concert. So she's performing you know, regularly with all of her dances, and then the scream will come down. You don't really notice because it's invisible. Yeah. Uh, you can see the, the scrim, and then there's another Beyonce on it. So she, suddenly she's behind it and in front of it, and she's performing with herself. That is giving me an orgasm to think about. Pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty cool. So that um, that opens up a whole realm of possibilities where artists can be in more than one place at a time. For that kind, example, isn't that kind of cheapen things a little bit. Uh, you know what? No one's tried it yet. I I do a lot of talks about VR, as you know, because yeah. we talked about it. And um, I look back at like I think it's generational, right? So, 150 years ago, you want to see a show or a film or a play, or whatever, a story, you go and see live actors on a stage, right. right? Then someone started filming those live actors, projecting it on a wall in a dark room where you will sit down and face the same direction. 150 years ago, people thought that sounded stupid, stupid. right? Well, why would you want to do that? You really, you know, there's live actors, you go and see them. Why do I want to sit in a dark room facing the same direction? <laughs> that seems fine to us. Yeah. Like we're totally indoctrinated in cinema. We prefer it to live, actually. No one really goes, on, on a generational demographic level, no one's really interested in theater anymore. Yeah. People love I cinema. Lo I love theater, actually. But, yeah. But yeah. But we're, you know, sure. we're cultured, you know? But the general, you know, audience, so it appears, wants film. So I'm, you know, putting this out there that maybe the same thing is going to happen with live performance. Like right now, you can pay to see Lady Gaga in a show. She'll probably be half a mile away, and yeah. you're really watching her on a big, giant screen. But you can do that if you want, or right. you could see her hologram. Now, to us, it sounds alien to an eight-year-old yeah. who's brought up on seeing holograms. It's like you go to Broadway to see the play, but every week you can go and see a hologram. Makes a lot of sense. I'm wondering, I mean, and you're obviously at the, like the very edge of the field. Is this something like the, the progression in media and technology and now VR is the leading edge? Are there people actively thinking about the, the next wave of these of these experiences or do some of them happen kind of accidentally as we, yeah. as we generally evolve? It's um, people definitely, there's some early adopters yeah. of the technology. So there's some really savvy artists. Um, it's a band, you know, I'm a huge fan of and work with in different permutations called the gorillas. Now right, they're yeah. virtual already. Yeah. Right. So 
they don't exist. So in terms of you know how do they play live? Well, they've they've always had to be using this technology. That was so weird when yeah. I first heard about. Yeah, doing so they don't exist, right? And then suddenly they're on performing at the Grammys with Madonna and their holographics. So certain bands are kind of trailblazers either by um, default because there's no other way of seeing them or, you know, Daft Punk, for example, yeah. you know, their, their identity is sort of hidden. So they're, they're already back. a superhero version. Yeah. Well, they'll be coming back with new technology. Every time they come back, their show is like 10 years ahead of everyone else's takes 10 years so to catch good. up it's with like them. Tron. Yeah. So they're really already in from the future in a sense. So a lot of bands, uh, a lot of artists, David Bowie was a, a prime example of it. Very early adopters of technology. What, whatever happened, you know, the internet, he was on it before anyone else. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of the technologies are only, you know, primarily for very kind of advanced artists right now, but then they become democratized, easier to use, cheaper to use, and then they kind of get mass, mass produced. Like uh, projection mapping was very kind of cool about seven years ago. No one really understood it. Now it's in, it's on the voice and, yeah. you know, X factor. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It, it's just a projector and some computer graphics. There's no barrier to entry. Yeah. So anyone can essentially make that. Holograms are a little bit more difficult, but again, there'll be a technology where suddenly, oh, you can 3D scan yourself with a $300 peripheral and you're suddenly a hologram. That, does, that doesn't seem too out of bounds actually to that's think about. coming fast. That, that's coming soon. Yeah. It doesn't, I, you know, it's interesting too the perception of these things. Um, I remember when I was a kid watching the, you know the original Star Wars, the first trilogy, yeah. and seeing these holograms and thinking to myself, "That's so funny because that's never going to happen." Mm -hmm. You know, in terms of just the basic technology. And now I see that and I think that looks like a shitty hologram, and we're totally going to be able to do that. Yeah, we're already doing that. Yeah, you know, even even you know even our phones are so advanced comparatively to what we grew up with, what I grew up with, and especially what you grew up with. Yeah. It's um, it, it makes you wonder though. Is there some sort of technological cap that we're going to reach where we just can't right. exceed that? So there's a law, right? Yeah. It's called the Moore, Moore's Law, funnily enough, from the guy who uh, basically invented Intel, you know, the Intel chip. Mm -hmm. So his uh, law is that computers double in speed every 18 months and halve in price. And he's been right for 25 years. Has that held? That's I've heard held. of Moore's Law, but I don't yeah. know if it's held. Every year everyone goes oh you know what we've hit the wall like it's not we can't keep going yeah it keeps going keeps happening you know um storage devices you know they're like i remember buying 100 gig storage device <laughs> for like 500 dollars it was big ago. now it's on a keychain yeah, you know it's in my phone 120 yeah you know it's it's um so so that seems to be it seems to be holding that yeah. law that drives everything else. So all the innovation is coming from that law. So because computers are getting faster, they can do more. So right now, you know, I was running a studio in London in 2000. Um, we're attached to the Millennium Dome. So we had like uh, this, the oldest film studio in the world, and we were given 100 million euros to create technology for artists. So one of them, and we got cash in kind contributions. 100 so we got million? These, yeah. Fuck, man. In the good old days. You know? <laughs> Shit. Yeah, I know. So we had these computers that uh, rendered Toy Story from Pixar. Yeah, we got yeah. six of them. They were these gigantic <laughs> six foot high purple. They look like a refrigerator now, <laughs> like an industrial thing. 
So they were a million dollars each, yeah. you know, once upon a time. <laughs> and we were given like six of them. We go back a few years ago and rip the back off one of them. Like what's actually in there? <laughs> and it's six 150 megahertz processors. Your phone is more powerful than that. That was a million dollars when I began doing this. Yeah. This is, um, which is you know, what, 15, like 15 years says, ago. Yeah. yeah. 15, 16 years ago. So it's, it's not, it's not ancient history, but the evolution from that, like Ray Kurzweil, who's, you know, at Google now, he's a famous technologist, futurist. He talks about how Bill Clinton's administration, the whole computing power of the Pentagon is basically less than what is in your iPhone <laughs> six. Yeah. You know, so yeah. It really kind of brings it home and you're like, oh, well, this is why we can do all these things now, which we couldn't before. They've made those comparisons to, you know, the the technology that took to land on the moon is like levels of magnitude yeah. less than it takes to run your Google Maps yeah. application. No, totally. You know, you know or self-driving car or, you know, and with, um, with AI, which is, you know, one of my yeah. obsessions. Um, so self-driving cars, I'm watching a documentary by Werner Herzog called Lo and Behold. It's on Netflix. And uh, they're talking to the guy who invented the self-driving car. And it was just this thing, you know, it was one of those penny drop moments where you thought, oh, shit, this is kind of Terminator, you know? Yeah. So when one car makes a mistake, it immediately sends that lesson to every other car. So they all know That's, immediately. I wish drivers could get that. <laughs> I was just like, going, God, if humans were like, you know, we'd be so much more advanced. They're accelerating. They're learning. Themse they're teaching themselves scary. and they're learning faster. So that kind of idea, and you apply that to every other type of computer, that's how Watson works. It's a cloud-based computer. So every computer that's attached to Watson is as smart as Watson, you know, because yeah. it's the brain and it's just using your memory or your computing power. So that, that we don't even know where that's heading right now because that's when computers start becoming, you know, sentient and kind of teaching us things. That's the Elon Musk and Stephen us. Hawking are like, this is the end of the world. Yeah, you know? I was going to ask, yeah. you know, because st um, Stephen Hawking seems to be very adamant that we're on a fixed timeline Yeah, and it's either going to end with us killing ourselves from mm -hmm. just destroying the planet, us communicating with the wrong species yeah, uh, and signaling them to come here and wipe us out yeah. or creating AI that's sufficient, sufficiently outpaces us and kills us. Are those the only three options or can we control these things? Um, no, <laughs> in a, in a no. nutshell, like when AI is like the Pandora's box, you know, so once it's open, it's open. We've already opened it though. It's open. it's open. Um, did you open it? Google? Well, I haven't opened it yet, but Google found that at night it's, uh, equivalent of Siri. I don't know what it's called, but they have, you know, their version Gary. of it, uh, is talking to other machines why at night at Fuck. night when they're not there right so what? they're coming back and where can i where, i can read about this yeah they've already invented Fuck. their own language so no one knows what they're talking oh about. oh my god it's already happening Fuck. yeah that was like what do you mean we can't decode it what do you mean they don't know how they they don't know the language they've invented to speak to why is is this national this should be national news this is a problem this is a beginning of the end you this know? is a big this this, yeah. is, this is a problem yeah so it's very basic right now, but imagine it's, it's exponential. Like the speed of acceleration, it's not like our evolutionary scales and what we're used to, you know, right. Oh, we, we invent the engine. Then it's like a train <laughs> then it's a car. 
No, this is like five years. You know, it's interesting. Um, with a lot of things uh, in human history, in terms of like human development and innovation, we'll have simultaneous discoveries that go unknown. So like two people can be working on the plane at the same time yeah, exactly. and they don't know. AC, DC, you know, yeah. for example. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But with computers, that's not the case. No. When one figures something out, the other yeah. does. Yeah. And that's what causes the exponential growth. Exactly. Because it's, it's the cloud-based stuff. Starting. Like the, the minute they were all connected, um, we become in a sense obsolete. Like we're actually in the, getting in the way, you know. So that's a, that's an interesting one, which is why I'm kind of not focused on AI stuff. Like I can Because it doesn't matter. Because it's going to anyway. happen anyway. They're going to do it without but. <laughs> You know, I can now, I'm now focusing on, you know, how do you virtualize people to put them in experiences and transport that through different mediums, right? So that could be augmented reality, virtual reality, room scale VR, or a live hologram. It's the same thing. You've just captured someone and you're transmitting them the way you'd make a film and you put it on TV, yeah. mobile, and the internet. Well, just different isn't it, platforms. Isn't it possible though that, because of the way that we know technology self-perpetuates that we're already in the VR, that we're already in the AI. Yeah. I mean, right. it's sort of... That's Musk's whole thing. Well, Musk's whole thing is that we're actually living in a holographic universe. So we're already in a computer program. Right, yeah. Now that's, you know... How far-fetched is that? That's kind of one step away from Alex Jones' lizard people thing, you know. But I, <laughs> but I, I love conspiracy theories. So, you know, it's like a hobby. But I try not to, like, pay too much time and attention to that right now because, you know, this quantum mechanics and quantum physics are definitely, you know, presenting a case for alternate timelines. Yeah. But, you know, why we'd, we would all be living in the same one, I would think we'd be shifting around if that was the case. Like, why are we all stuck in this timeline? Why can't we jump? Unless everyone is a projection of your own reality. Yeah. And then so that's where, you know, I'm sitting down. With it's a little bit... It yeah. actually becomes obsolete to even think about it because yeah, what's because the point? If the, only, the only point is if, you, if we figure out a way of like skipping timelines and then we can move around within that space, like interstellar, that would be cool. But until we develop that, and then that means you can't time travel because otherwise someone would have done it already and come yeah. back unless they're just sitting here toying with us. It might be scarier out there and whatever there actually is out there than yeah. in our bubble, which is relative. Well, in our, in our case, in other places in the world, not so much, but well, maybe with Trump, I don't know. But yeah. in our case, it's relatively peaceful. Yeah. Maybe we just stay here. Yeah. Maybe we're, we're, we're in, we're all in some test tube mm -hmm. and we're being drip fed. Yeah, but maybe this. Bernie Sanders is the president somewhere else. You know, <laughs> not, Maybe I want to go there. Not in any universe that Hillary's also. No, in. she would. Yeah. She'll she's probably, block him. yeah. And then, you know, the man in the high castle, which is the, I don't know if you've seen that, the Amazon show. Yeah. So, you know, Hitler won, you know, there's, then you'd have every single permutation of history. Yeah. The, well, there's, the, yeah. The theory is that there's infinite possibilities and all of them are true simultaneously mm -hmm. or depending on how you see it, like different, different segments of time happening or, or, or the future happening, uh, before the past. Yeah. It's like, it's crazy. Um, it's like, I just, shut myself off from that one. Like I, I love reading, I love science fiction. Yeah. You know, my company is called Valis, which is a Philip K. Dick novel. So he's like the godfather of sci-fi. Well, you've seen probably about 30 of his movies. Yeah. Right? So Blade Runner. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. There's obviously the famous one, which is right. Even redoing total recall. 
But he he wrote a book called Valis in, I think it was like 1963, which essentially predicted the internet. So it means vast active life intelligence system. And um, so I just grabbed that and that's my company. Well, Al Gore name. predicted the internet. He predicted it 20 years later. <laughs> you know, Philip well, K. Dick wrote it. That's what then, we're saying. Humans yeah. are not on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> but some of the, you know, some of these, uh, some of these predictions were way ahead. I'm, I'm really enjoying the Simpsons predictions recently. So good. They're, it's too accurate. It's, it's scary. crazy. Trump on the elevator. Um, what did, <laughs> they had a Lady Gaga thing this weekend. Did you see that? They actually had. Did they? The, open, the Super Bowl show. They did that three years ago. Matt Groening has already been to the future. There you go. That would make sense, right? I mean, if you would like the back to the future guy and you go, all right, you can go back and invent one thing. What is it? And it's like the Simpsons. (laughs) I mean, that would make a lot of sense. You're using your power for good. Really good. Totally. You can just weave in some of your, you know, knowledge (laughs) into that. You will make more money than God, you know, and it will never be canceled. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Perpetual. It's so funny. So we use the Simpsons as a reference for some of the virtual stuff that I'm doing. So basically the big thing about the Simpsons was no one really pays attention to that much is like they've, they've never aged. Right. Yeah. So like what would happen if on a normal sitcom, you know, everyone ages and then suddenly they get canceled. They're like, no, you know, Bart stays a kid. Yeah. The only problem they're ha- going to have is like the voices, you know, the people are kind of aging, get older. Um, but they're working around that. But um, so right now I'm being approached by a lot of people, a lot of artists to de-age them or freeze their age virtually. And this is happening in movies. Like, you know, we were talking about Rogue One. Yeah. Um, so in that movie, you have one digital resurrection. So you have Peter Cushing, right. who died several years ago, right. who's been brought back to life. And then you have a young Princess Leia. And that right. was obviously when Carrie Fisher was still alive. But they, uh, and it's this technology called face mapping. So you basically build the face and apply it to a living actor. Huh. So essentially these actors can now be immortalized. It's so really, really advanced green screen, basically. It's well, it's what how they did Tupac. So they did Tupac. All the technologies are the same. It's just the distribution's different. So these uh, people can be in a movie, they can be in a live show, they can be in a VR. But once you've built someone, I was talking to someone yesterday from the um connecting me to the Miles Davis estate. So they're like would it be cool to, you know, go and see Miles Davis now? And I'm like, fuck yes. Like, of course, you know, the, these are people that we missed, you yeah. know? And I'm like, I would much rather see some of these deceased artists than the living ones right totally, now. Totally, yeah. You know. Um, Miles Davis, Bieber. Yeah. I, you know. But I'm they're going to be Bieber in 50 years. The Rat Pack. Yeah. You know. Great. Um, would you rather see the Rat Pack, Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin, or do you want to see 68-year-old Celine Dion, you know? I'd rather see them in their prime than her now, you know? So, so the virtualization thing is, um, it's going to get more and more mainstream, more, it'll happen more often. And then circling the conversation back to AI, eventually you'll be able to plant AI into these characters. So they'll do new things, (sighs) which is crazy, right? So you think, oh, well, actually we could bring Steve McQueen back, you know, program his entire database of scripts. He could be in a new movie. Oh fuck, man! You know, doing new lines. It's not. It's not a regurgitation of the past. The, how do they map the voice? The vo- the voice can be mapped now. You can actually with the syllables. Cr- yeah, the- you can load in its voice, and then suddenly it comes out saying new things. It's machine learning. Yeah, I just you know because the 
my experiences with machine learning because I am a consumer and not a not a not a creator. So I'm on I'm on whatever edge that the consumers are on. So I yeah. look at machine learning, stupid machine learning like Siri, who can't get yeah. anything right. right. And I think, how is this type of machine, which is supposed to be advanced, yeah. gonna map anything? Yeah, 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 exactly. You know? Yeah. But totally. or or when I hear, you know, a, a, a computer talks to me, it's, hello, Daniel. I'm like, are they really gonna have a smooth, natural voice? It's getting it's getting better. You know, it's um again, you think of just how old this technology is, it's really new and how fast it's progressing, yeah. you know? So, um, I always look back at video games and I'm like, okay, so when I was a kid, I played Pong, yeah. which was two white lines and a white dot. And that was, I played that endlessly. That seemed fascinating to me because it was the first time I'd ever seen a video game. Now I'm looking at games like Hellblade, <laughs> which are now yeah. real time face capture of a performer. It's looking, you know, very close to, to a photo reel. And it's it's getting Hollywood visual effects level, you know, and that's in 20 years. So it's not, it didn't take long for the visuals to catch up. Now, you've got some underlying technologies that needed to accelerate, but it's happening very quickly. So eventually, like every actor now, and we're jumping around a bit, but every actor now in a franchise has to be scanned. Yeah. Because, you know, Paul Walker and Philip Seymour Hoffman were in two massive franchises, died, and they had no, no insurance against, you know. But if they'd scanned them, they're in it. They're not, you know, death is not the end it's of your insurance. career. So now people are having to, so there's a big rights issue going on. Like, who owns that? You know? Right. Well, imagine, imagine and also, how far does it extend if it combines with AI? You think, is JFK going to run for president again? And, yeah. And if he's sentient and... Mm-hmm. Maybe oh, yeah. he can create Probably himself. Making better decisions than some <laughs> living people. Would, right, yeah. Know, right? So, yeah, I, the, the AI thing just changes the game. When it's just building something that you control, it's, that's one thing. Once that thing has its own you know, brain, um, then it's a whole different story. But right now, a lot of artists and a lot of estates are coming to me and going, you know, is it possible to do that two pack thing? You know, is it possible yeah. to like, and I'm like, well, yeah, of course. Cause it, that happened already. What about something that hasn't happened already? I mean, there's, and there's, you know, there's a running list of people who, you know, they want Hendrix back. Yeah. You know, they want, you know, Elizabeth Taylor back, you know, they yeah. want these people in their yeah, prime. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's a huge market for that and who gets the money. There's going to be a lot, you know, they want Prince back again. Yeah, of course. There's going to be a huge market for that. You know, they want, speaking of that, you know, would they start creating? Um, so it makes me think about the Victoria's Secret fashion mm -hmm. show. Yeah, and it makes me think about these these models and these beautiful people. And it makes me wonder if they're going to create hybrids of existing of of new, into new models based on existing models parts already happened. It's already happening. Yeah. Well, it happens on, on magazine covers and stuff. Right? No, it's ha so it's happened in Asia. Um, so there's a there's a female uh, Korean pop band, K-pop band called AKB. I think it's 48. Or 47. I can never remember. It's very which important. One. Well, there's actually 47 or 48 members in the band, right? What? And it's like Menudo. So when they're 23, they get kicked out and they get replaced. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they actually have a TV, they have a talent show to replace them, yeah. which is like a huge franchise all in its in itself. But what they do with that band is they send them out in different configurations: twos, fours, eights, twelves. They're playing somewhere every night, some like lots of places. And you don't know which ones you're gonna get. Yeah. So what they did as an experiment a couple of years back was they took the best looking six girls. <laughs> they took one feature, the best feature from the six girls and built a new one. 
and and how and release that. So put her in a in a commercial. In a yeah. Um, didn't tell anyone. Like it's the new girl. She's called Aimi Aguchi. You can like you know YouTube her and um, and she's singing with them and. Everyone was like freaking out, going, oh my God, she's so gorgeous. Like, it's the best if you want. A week later, they announced she wasn't real. And people were crying in the streets. You know? <laughs> no. It was like, no, bring her back. And I now people, she's, but she's still, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what so did that mean? Betrayed. <laughs> yeah. Um, and now she's got a following. And of course, she doesn't age. Right. Right. So she's Who controls her, the band or the. Well, the it's actually Dentsu, the, uh, the agency, who are a commercial agency. They're literally fabricating celebrities and even if you know but she's that a hybrid fake, of of what exactly what right. we're talking about she's the best feature so they could easily do that with a supermodel yeah i wouldn't be surprised if they're already in the works well, to do that i'm kind of talking to people about doing that already yeah. but we were the the problem and this is what really messy is like the ip it's like right. so if it's giselle bunchen's mouth bridget bardo's nose you know who owns what or is that something new? Yeah. And um, because right. it's a legal, it's setting a new legal precedent. So no one actually knows right now. Like there is no law for that. There's laws about remixing a song, you know, or remaking a movie or, you know, re rewriting, you can rewrite a book, but um, you can take an existing property and, and rework that. So people are trying to see, is that classified under the same law? If you, I was Giselle, I'd be pissed. I mean, you remixing Giselle's face. Yeah, you know? I, 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 if I, me as a consumer, love it. Yeah. Me as a person who got remixed, hate it. Hate it because you know, Yeah. And do they need do they need their permission to do it? Yeah. Well, this is like this is happening and no one knows. Yeah. Wow. So you only know when you get sued. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's, it's probably too late at that point. But if it's uh I've actually talked to attorneys about this. So people are saying if it's more than like fifteen percent of one person. I didn't but again, it's like, what, where yeah. did that come from? Why is that even a number? Yeah. But it's it's fascinating. And you, this will happen all the time. This is how much yeah. you You'll can take, use of me. You can scan anyone's body, attach someone else's head to it, change them, de-age them, make them a different gender, race, whatever. That's, you know, that's so interesting too. And it makes me wonder if people know, if people know that it's a fake celebrity, Will they even care? Yeah. If, if, if it's a hot girl that was just compiled from six other hot girls, yeah. do you really care? You yeah, just, no. you're, cause you're, you're never going to, most people are never going to meet Giselle anyway. No. So why do they care if it's her Frankenstein cousin or actually her? Mm -hmm. They just want to see a hot girl. Yeah. Well, I go, you know, I did a talk at South by about this a couple of years ago and I was like, well, think about it as plastic surgery, right? Is that still Madonna? You know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it is and it isn't. You know, um, certain people have just got, I mean, the Kardashians are a great example. Madonna, Asterix. The before and after of them. I mean, they're already virtualizing themselves. In their a doctors sense. are they're, gods. They're recreating their image, right? So um, I'm like, well, why can't you just create someone from scratch? It's a good point. I mean, I, well, I guess the argument would be that they're recreating themselves, but in the physical world. Yeah. And then you're doing it. Did, until they start 3D printing humans. Which they're doing Which as well. Which they're doing yeah. Well, they're doing that for like prosthetics, right? And, and you whatnot. can, uh, well, they're actually 3D printing organs as well. So, you know. Uh, like wor working organs? Yeah. Which organs first? Oh, liver, kidney. Is it is that something that's um, 
accessible I wouldn't to try it yet. Yeah, Just was... hold off for a few years, okay? <laughs> Don't be a pioneer of that one. But what they're doing is using your human genome. Uh, so it's basically you. Yeah. It's not a transplant, essentially. It's, an, it's another, it's a backup of a your backup organ. own organ. But you can also age that organ. So it could be like a healthy 16-year-old liver. You know, so Rich people are going to have backup organs of yeah. all their- And you just keep keep them there. And then when you want to swap them out, it's like a car. You know, it's maintenance. You know, you know what's interesting? Um, I was thinking about this on the way over here. As AI gets better and, and self-driving cars become perfected, there's going to be a serious drop in organ donors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people are dying, less, crashing less. That's that's the major much, contributor of organ donors. That's true. Car crashes. Yeah, yeah. So they need to print them. Yeah. You know. So they they can do it now with uh, with animals, and they're looking at human versions. There's a lot of laws restricting research in this area because it's all coming from stem cells. Yeah. Um. So in the U.S., you know, it's I know it's not frowned upon. It's actually illegal. But in other countries, it's completely legal. And China are like blazing the way with yeah. uh, bio biotech. So they're looking at all sorts of um, applications for genome. And, you know, won the, the Nobel Prize, I think, last year was won by a technology called CRISPR. Have you, have mm -hmm. you ever come across this? So CRISPR is a, is a gene editing system. So we now have the map of the human genome. Right. Then uh, multiple scientists, there's actually a lawsuit going on for who owns it, um, have now worked out how to edit those genes. So that's essentially becoming God, right? So you can now rewrite the human code, which one thing is aging, for example, right? So we're programmed to age. So they're looking at reprogramming it. So you can slow down aging, freeze aging, de-age. Say on your 40th birthday, your present is you get a year. Right, so you basically go back to thirty nine over that year. How how would they go forwards? How would you administer the editing process? Is it well, that's you know that actually is the easy there. bit. Um, it's a it's a chemical it's a chain reaction in your genetic structure. So once you reintroduce one chain of genes, it actually uh, adopts is adopted by the rest of your it's program genome. Yeah, so it's like a reprogram. So that's the uh, the easier bit. No one is doing this right now. And I don't so, want to be 39 for my fortieth birthday. Yeah. I want to be twenty five. Well, that's fifteen to twenty years ago. Yeah, uh, away. Sorry. So yeah. they're saying, I you know, wait. in the next five to ten, they'll slow down to freeze, and in the next ten to twenty, they'll de-age. So this is happening on a genetic level. I'm doing it on a virtual level right now, but you know, I'm doing it a six-part series on immortality and life extension. So a lot of these ideas are coming through that program. So I'm finding scientists who are purely focused on this subject right now, and every billionaire is investing in it. As you, as you do. Uh, you know, they're like so greedy now. They're like, you know, that idea, you can't take it with you. They're like, <laughs> oh, excuse me, I'm not going. How about that? I can't, I can take it with me because I'm not going anywhere. So they're looking at, um, so each episode is looking at a different way of essentially not dying. You know what? But, but rich, really old, rich white dudes dying helps the world. We need you yeah. guys to die off a little bit. But you know, the Monopoly man needs to have like an expiration date. They're not going without a fight, you know. <laughs> like, what's his name? Oh man, um, there's a there's a, a bunch of them. Uh, 
big media mogul, like 100 plus years old, barely senile. I think barely, he was the head of Viacom or something. Yeah, yeah. He name? was. Uh, uh, I don't remember. He was yeah. like had a. 12 year old wife. He's completely in, so, incapacitated. Yeah. Can't yeah. do anything, but he's still like holding on to yeah. the company. Yeah. You're like, dude, he's had like six transplants. You're like, let it go. No, he's, he's he doesn't, anything. he's just, uh, everything. Or like that Mevo thing. You know, the new thing with the, it's like a little camera. Yeah. It's just the, like a bunch. I mean, the Samsung one's great. Cause then you can monitor it off the phone and it stitches in the phone. Like that's it. It's your whole studio. Bang. It's like you know, a little golf ball camera. I just shot a travel show with it. What, what type of travel show? Uh, it was for a travel company um, called Oasis, and we just went to Barcelona or Mexico City. And uh, you met my girlfriend, Emily, right? Yeah. So so I basically strapped a camera to her head. <laughs> That's what she's for. And we just, you know, I was like, go. And she's like going <laughs> through every restaurant and bar in Barcelona, and we edited together. But she had a motorcycle helmet or a bike helmet, with a neck brace. This was our super high tech <laughs> camera rig, right? Because they were like, it's really hard to, it's the movement in VR is very, gives you motion sickness, yeah, right? Yeah. So you need to keep it steady. No one's really built a steady cam for her because you see all the rig in the camera because the camera points in every direction. So I was like, the only way to do it is put it high up on her head. And she had a neck brace on. I've you know, got some great pictures of her looking like a. Is that. Looney. Those types of things now don't weird people out as much as they used to. Yeah. They just kind of, especially in places like LA where it's like, okay, of course you're shooting. Mm. Of course. Oh, no, Barcelona was different story. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. At night, people would, like everyone's just staring at the camera so we couldn't use a lot of material. <laughs> Is it like what's well, happened? I think it was the neck brace more than the camera actually. People probably were, like, you, worried you, about you, her. You made your wife... Yeah. film after she just got in a horrible bike accident. Just terrible. It was, uh, <laughs> it's terrible. But anyway, that was that was a fun. But it's a $300 camera really and cheap. it works. It's great. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's interesting too. Um, a lot of people don't know, well, because we haven't talked about it yet, Yeah, that you were one of the original creators of Black Mirror. So we should talk about that. Yeah, so, sure. so basically, uh, it was 2000, I think it was 2003, I set up a company with my friend Rob Moore, who produced this show called The 11 O'Clock Show for Channel 4. So it was the equivalent of um, The Daily Show. So it was on every night, 11 o'clock, live, Channel 4. And we launched um, Ali G, uh, Bora, Bruno, Ricky Gervais, all these amazing comedians got their break on this show. And they were in like little five-minute um, sections. So Rob produced that show with four writers, one of whom was Charlie Brooker. So when the show got canceled, he came to me. They all sat down and said, why don't we, um, should we get into this internet business? You know, <laughs> this internet thing, right? And I'm like. What year was this? This is 2003, right? Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, we can do, we can do internet stuff. And I was running that studio. <laughs> Would you time. like to do internet? Yeah. It's like, it was so new then. Like everyone was like. Ooh. Capital I. Uh, so we set up a cross-platform media company to create content for the internet. Back then, that's, I mean, that's No one huge. was doing it then, right? No yeah. one, and mobile. So we were like, let's just focus on that. So Charlie was one of the, we were all owners, so there were seven of us, with uh, four writers, two producers, and me. And um, it's like a hilarious story. So, so they're like, 
oh, we need a business plan. Like, and I'm like, I don't really know how to do that. So I downloaded a business plan from the internet, <laughs> right? And we just kind of filled it. Type like, into Google business yeah, plan template. Just had a template and yeah. we just had blanks everywhere, right? So we're filling it in. And Charlie uh, decided that he was going to write the appendix. So he's like the creator, you know, literally the creator of Black Mirror. So he writes the appendix for our business plan and as a cover sheet and insists we combine it to, to, for any meetings. The cover of the business plan, which no one needs a cover of a business plan, incidentally, is the Bee Gees being hit in the head with a hatchet by the Yorkshire Ripper. <laughs> right? I'm like, this is literally the worst idea ever. Like, why is this anyone going to give us money now? And he's like, if they don't get it, we don't want their money. He's very adamant about that i'm like okay well okay. we might want their money i can actually. guarantee that they no one will get this but <laughs> let's let's see and in the appendix he wrote this uh five to ten year plan which involves starting a theme park and a religion so again you know really not very businessy we went into endemol who do big brother and you know they're actually the world's biggest tv production company now and we're sitting in there and they, i knew they wanted to get into comedy right and we were like comedy and they wanted to get into the internet because they actually hadn't done any internet at this point. And, um, and I look up and there's this boardroom and there's just 20 Yorkshire Ripper hitting the Bee Gees on the head <laughs> pictures on everyone, you know, in front of everyone's desk. And I'm like, and they're not in the meeting. I'm in the meeting, right? So they're all in the pub waiting for, you know, <laughs> thinking it was hilarious that I'm having to present this. How they, they just elected you to be the, I was like, the, he, Rob was the MD, so we were like the grown-ups, and then they were like fucking kids. So I'm like in the meeting with Rob, and uh, they were like, yeah, this looks great. I'm like, what? Like, what do you mean it looks great? He said, yeah, we, we really want to get into comedy. We really want to get into this. Uh, yeah, we're in. <laughs> and I'm like, and we literally hadn't thought this through at all. And they're like, so how much? We're like, what? Oh, um, <laughs> two million. Just like ridiculous, right? And they went, okay, so we'll we'll give you five hundred for twenty five percent. So we got five hundred thousand dollars for twenty five percent of this company. We set up four days prior, downloaded a business plan off the internet. It was like a we. It was like it's like Trump becoming the president. Those are the good like, old days. Though, we didn't think you know? this was going to happen, right? We thought it was a joke. We'll try it anyway. It worked. Where suddenly we have this office at uh, Endemol. <laughs> And then, of course, these guys, not knowing anything about business, they're like, okay, let's split it up seven ways. I'm like, no, 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 that's not how it works. Yeah. Like, we're not just taking It's not money. our money. It's not salary. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, it is. And I'm like, so we had about $5,000 in, in the bank. Yeah. We, they just took it all, right? Seven ways. And oh, uh, you did split it up? They split they, they it split, up, yeah. Fuck! I got outvoted, you know, so <laughs> so suddenly everyone's just paid themselves a year's salary in advance. Uh, I'm like, well, God, we're like... Uh, that's I, over, it's over. I thought we'd last another week. So there was like week one, we got half a million. Week two, we spent half a million. <laughs> so then I go out and, uh, and I'm like, all right, you fuckers, do some work, right? You know, write something. So Charlie was do, had this uh, blog at the time and it was um, it was called TV Go Home, and it was a fake news listing, and it was just literally like um, TV Guide, 
but all the shows were fake and he invented all of them. And one of them was called Nathan Barley. And it was like a hipster magazine editor, like a satire on that. Um, he wrote, he had that in his blog. We made that. <laughs> that actually ended up becoming a show. And then um, what was the other one we did, one called Unovations, which is like a, f- a futuristic, wrong products for the 21st century. So it's like a QVC shopping channel, but with fucked up. Like a spoon that can't pick up yeah, water. Every, no, just... really dangerous products. Like <laughs> violent, horrible ideas. Um, products for terrorists. It's everything wrong, right? That got picked up. We sold that to the BBC. Um, so all these like seemingly undoable, unmakeable ideas were getting picked up and people were loving them. And I was like, wow, we're actually, you know, this is kind of working. Then we got a deal with Channel 4 to launch their uh, digital channel called E4. And we built their website. Really crazy amount of money to build a website, which is, again, the good old days. And Charlie did a- it's like a, you know, it was like a million dollars to build a website, right? <laughs> so we we did that, and Charlie did uh, a little animated show for that flash animated thing, thirty seconds called, uh, which kind of was loosely became The Office. So we were creating all this stuff, but the one um, that he did this show, which because obviously Endemol did Big Brother, so he did a satire of Big Brother called The Dead Set, where the the actual on the set of Big Brother and uh, with the presenter, Davina McCall, zombies arrive from outside the studio and kill everyone live on air. So we did that at Zepatron, and that was like the f- kind of almost the prototype Black Mirror. You know, that was like everyone looked at it and went, this is nuts. Like, how did this get made? Were you just at this point, were you just floating ideas that you thought this there? Were you just trying to get crazier and crazier to see yeah. how far you could push yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, and they were, you know, basically anarchists, you know, in an office going, let's see, someone's going to arrest us at some <laughs> point and take us away, but let's see how far we can go. And he was obviously, you know, the brilliant, you know, creative force behind a lot of it. There were other writers, all the other writers were great as well, but he was like the on, his, on a, in a different league. Yeah. And um, so he did the dead set and we did one show, I think we did, get arrested for it was a a a fake news show when we could do fake news as a joke right (laughs) called brass eye and we did a special called peter geddon and it was with a it's this kind of icon god of comedy in england called chris morris who did uh the day-to-day where steve coogan launched uh alan partridge all these different things that was on the bbc then brass eye was like an hour new show and um they did a show on pedophiles like the pedophile explosion in England. And Charlie wrote that with Chris Morris. And the next day in all the newspapers, it was like Channel 4 scandal, Channel 4 do program uh, about. And we were like, it's a satire. It was a joke, <laughs> but it was like so controversial, right? So we thought that was it. That yeah, was, we've- We're done. We're now getting handcuffed and walked out the building. No, we couldn't, literally, it was like the producers. It was like springtime for Hitler, right? We couldn't get arrested. And then Charlie had, um, wrote Black Mirror, you know, so this is happening. Now that was too far. That was like, oh, no, 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 we can't do like, you know, th- that's not going to work. It's too expensive. Oh, it's, it's it wasn't a- like it was too shocking. 
it was just um no it was too much for that company like right. we weren't like that company so it took so actually i left i actually left to do the victoria's secret fashion show yeah. so talk about you know complete pivot sublime to the ridiculous yeah. or ridiculous to the sublime i don't know but i i went off and started working with another company and we were doing lots of live uh big events and i was doing stuff in america so they took another probably five or six years to get it made Man. but they had it you know we were we were sitting in that office and um i left i remember endemol actually bought the whole company so they were owned 100 percent by them so charlie did the first two with Ze they were called zepatron the yeah. company we owned and then the third season he did through his own company uh, with Netflix in the US. Yeah. But he's, you know, he's the guy and it's just him. Um, he's quite unique. He has a show in, in England called Newswipe, which is worth finding. And he, he's in it. So you kind of get to see what you're dealing with. But he's pretty uh, out there. How, how much do you think now that, that – uh reality and fiction are meeting up with some of the things happening in politics and some of the, I mean, you know, I, re I remember um, reading the night after the election results and people were like, this is the worst black mirror episode ever. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, We and, made it in the yeah, pop culture. Oh my God. And I was like, wow, that's really crazy. And then like a lot of people were like, that was like episode six and se season one where they had the, the man in the suit insulting politicians. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. And it was like, yeah, in the, you know, in the van, shouting to people. Not and, dissimilar to, to yeah. what was really going on. So it was, um, yeah, I, th I think that blurring the lines, and I think that's always the, the greatest accolade about fiction is when it becomes fact, you know, when it's sort of, when you cross those lines. And I think, you know, Twilight Zone, a lot of science fiction shows have done that really well. Um, all the Philip K. Dick stuff, it's very prophetic, you know, 1984, yeah, um, yeah. Brave New World. That's when... I think fiction has meaning when it's kind of the cautionary tale. Um, but right now, you know, I think it's like idiocracy. I mean, it's like that Mike Judge movie. That wasn't supposed to ever happen. That was supposed to be like farcical. And now we're like right in there, you know, and I feel like that's when it gets scary when really silly comedies are becoming factual, you know. I, you know, I, I look at – um. It's hard not to – I try not to watch a lot of the politics because I, I got burned out with the, with the election cycle. Yeah. Um, and and I, I try not to take it too seriously because that would be scary. Mm -hmm. And so I look at it from a, a comedic perspective. It's very funny, a lot of it. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're not getting scared or weirded out yeah. about it, it's very funny. Yeah. I, I look at the um, tr Trump getting mad at, uh, at Arnold Schwarzenegger mm -hmm. and challenging him, uh, you know, on – getting in Twitter fights. Well, the Nordstrom. Yeah, yesterday. the Nordstrom thing just I mean, yesterday. Like yesterday. And then suddenly Kellyanne Conway's on the news this morning. By Ivanka. Buy Nord, which is actually, you know, uh, in the eth if they probably will get rid of the ethics committee because yeah. it's just too much for them. But she's broken ethics. No, that's completely you know? unethical. Yeah. Um, and and, and it's, it's so funny because we thought that with the whole Trump uh, uh, and the, the, the business interest thing that whatever happened would be a little bit more subtle, mm -hmm. but that's pretty blatant. Go yeah. by Ivanka yeah. is you can't use the office of the president to, to do that. Well, I, I just think it's a different mindset now. You know, it's this, there's no, like you can't do, you know, because people have done it's the, um, 
Someone was trying to explain to me the other day that he's a disruptor, right? Yeah, right. So, which I think yeah. is a nice way of putting it. But what's well, true? It's very true. But disruptive has a positive connotation in the in its current vernacular, right. you know, in its current yeah. usage. Innovative to disrupt technology is to innovate technology, not yeah. make it worse. Yeah, yeah, you know. So I was like, I wouldn't classify him in that because I feel he like would. It, it, he would definitely see it that way. Um, I, I see it a different way. I think, you know, this whole drain the swamp is disruptive. Filling the swamp with billionaires is not, there's nothing disruptive about that yeah. at all. You know, that's like more than towing the party line. It's that's interruptive. Like, yeah. So I think um, certain aspects of what's going on in politics right now is very disruptive. But then the reality is it's more of the same. Yeah. More more the same, but a little, worse. a little worse. Much worse. I mean, yeah. you, you know, it, it, it is hard, you know, with the whole fake news thing. Um, I, I, I think that um, I think media is getting a lot more polarized. Yeah. I look at um, places that I really used to see as relatively objective, like Washington Post mm -hmm. and CNN. And I think, you know, I like you guys, but even as a non-Trump supporter, that was a pretty biased headline. Yeah. You know, they'll be like, they'll be like, evil Steve Bannon says dirty, nasty thing. And I'm like, Washington Post, come on. Yeah. That wasn't very objective. Right. I think people are taking sides mm -hmm. more clearly than ever. I think, th you know, I, th I think so, like shows like Bill Maher's show, I think um, I've been watching him, you know, assiduously yeah. over a long period of time. And he's trying to get other voices on right now. You know, he's always been good for that where it's not like three Hillary fans, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you've got the guy who, who's like Reagan's advisor yeah. or, you know, Dick Cheney's, you know, stunt double. You've always got the opposing voice. So he had that, I can't remember, is it Tory, you know, uh, blonde screamhead, someone called uh, yeah, it the yeah, other yeah, day, yeah. right? Had her on, the, I um, her. I what on last is. Friday. But I think it's important that you are having the opposing voices in parallel. You can't just live in this little liberal, you know, ghetto because, you know, it's preaching to the converted. You have to get your voice yeah. across. And I think that was you know, a big part of the problem. Everyone just thought it was in the bag and didn't bother reaching out to that community who were disenfranchised. And then he reached out to them and it turned out, you know, not that they were a majority because he didn't win the popular vote, but he won more votes than everyone else thought he was, was capable of. A lot more. Because he reached people who were, didn't have a voice. Yeah. And um, so I think, yeah, media right now, whether it's fact fiction, VR, holograms, it's like, I think it's it's different now. It reminds me of growing up in Margaret Thatcher's kind of England. I think everyone's suddenly not posting cat pictures anymore and they're posting politics. Yeah. Which is good. You know, I think people are getting engaged, they're getting active, they're woke. You know, it's I think it's important, you know, that people aren't just once you fiddling, get woke, you, know, you can never get unwoke. You can't get unwoked. Um <laughs> But I, I like it, you know, a lot of my friends are suddenly, you know, they're looking at their social media feeds, you go back six months and it would literally be cat pictures. Yeah, for sure. You know? for sure. And now it's suddenly Steve Bannon pictures, you know, and, <laughs> and um, Mother Jones. And, and I'm like, okay, well, that's actually it's good. Not, yeah. It's not worse. Now I want that to trickle down into, into culture. Like yeah. actually what films are people making, songs, you know, Eminem's already – you know, he's already went in. Get, it's important. Like all my favorite music, film, fashion are all came from punk. You know, it all came from Margaret Thatcher. We had something to fight against. So suddenly it had meaning and it had 
So the clash would not exist if Thatcher didn't yeah. exist. Yeah. So some great things came out of, of that culturally. So I'm waiting for that. I think it's going to happen. One thing that I think is interesting um, is that, and, and I've been happy to see, of course, it's only been two, three weeks into the, into the, the new presidency, yeah. but people aren't going to take this lane down. No. They're, they're pissed. And I think that they're going to fight him at every turn. And unlike being a CEO of a, of a company, which Trump you know, Industries had like 22,000 employees, which is mm -hmm. a big company. But when you're responsible for a country and yeah. then you have these other branches, which in theory have equal power to you, like mm -hmm. the judicial branch in theory has equal power to the executive branch. And you can't just say, this is what we're doing. Yeah. They're going to – they have a say. Yeah. And I think that that's going to frustrate him over the years because mm -hmm. even Republicans are like, look – we don't do it like this. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it's going to cause a lot of agitation and he's either going to have to fall in line or it's going to be very difficult for him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's presented, I mean, I feel like what he's done up to now is based on his campaign promises, right? right. So he wants to be that guy who comes out and does, you know, says what he does, does what he says. Although the reality is somewhat removed, you know, yes, he is announcing that Mexico will have a wall between it, but they're not paying for it, yeah. you know, and that whole idea, like, I don't know why people haven't slammed him harder for that particularly, right? Mexico, it's, hard. It, it's, it's terrible PR. Like if you come out and say you're going to do one thing and then you come back and go, actually, I'm doing a 20% levy and actually Americans are going to pay for it. You know, it's not what you said yeah. at all. It's the opposite of what you said, you know? So, I feel like he's just having an easy ride right now. I want some Trump supporters to push back, you know, and go, you said this. Even just stick to your promise. Like, well, it's all those promises, promises it's were- impossible. It's impossible. But that's what, you know, but I'm like, why are they just rolling over and like, oh, okay, fine, you know. Like, they, they were fed a whole load of bullshit- and now they're just accepting that it because was because I think that they knew. I think that they felt happy that they were spoken to, but they knew it was bullshit. You yeah. can't. You can't. Build, you can't build a wall. You, there's just areas where you can't build it. It's not. It's not economically practical. It's not legit. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, it's not going to happen. But he said it, so I want. I want them <laughs> to at least go. Well, why did you say it in the yeah. first place? You know, it's like in in England. Like we had this Brexit thing, which is you know. I don't know why we didn't pay more attention to that because it's basically, you know, repeated the mistake. But on Brexit, when they were campaigning to, to leave Europe, a bus was going round on the, it was the campaign bus. And on the side of that bus, it had, we are giving the 350 million pounds we give to the EU to the national health system. That was on the bus. It was like the message, right? That's what people voted for. Then the day after the Brexit vote, which was, you know, went through, Nigel Farage, who was one of the main spokespeople for for the exit campaign, said, "No, that wasn't we we that wasn't literally <laughs> true. We didn't really mean that." I'm like, "That's what everyone voted for. What do you mean?" And then yesterday in Parliament, they voted against it. Yeah, they said, we're not doing that. I saw that. So I don't understand why there should be revolutions around this stuff. Like politicians, if they make a promise, even though it's an outlandish one, like the wall. They should be held accountable for their promises. Like, there doesn't seem to be any standards uh, implemented right now by the people who make the bad vote. You know, I think I think it's information fatigue. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like a news feed and everything gets pushed down and refreshed, and you can't 
keep track of. I mean, there are certain like there there are organizations like supposedly you know journalists are supposed to keep track of this stuff, and there are entire organizations devoted to watching what Trump says mm-hmm. in order to fact check yeah. him. But at the end of the day, you and I get tired, and we're just like, yeah. okay, well that one's over. Okay, what's the next yeah. one? But even like Fox News, right? Um, my first magazine job in England was for Rupert Murdoch. Yeah. Right. And weirdly, you know, I sat in a room with him when I was 24 and he said, what, what magazine would you like? You know, literally, and I'm sitting there and I, you know, I was fairly successful up to that point writing for other people's magazines. But then he, and I just said, and again, you know, a bit disruptive. I said, well, why don't we do one magazine for the whole world? Like why does every magazine like Vogue, Spain, Vogue, Japan, Vogue. It's so expensive to keep doing the same magazine, different countries. Why can't we create one magazine for the world? And why can't it be for both genders? You know, what? I don't understand. You don't make films for girls. I mean, you do, but most films are, but guys are go. for yeah. guys. Go, right? So why not make a magazine and make a pop culture magazine? And it went great. I don't think it will work, but go and do it. So I worked for him, you know, and I was like, my dad was like the head of a of a union in England who were fighting him at the time. And I was like completely conflicted. Like I was right in the middle of that whole, I was yeah. on the wrong side of that story suddenly. But then I'm employing 180 people, you know, and setting up a, a new thing, and, and I, which I had full control of. Me and he, he was like a, a part owner. It was like News International and Hachette. So it wasn't like his magazine, but it was kind of getting in, in league with the devil, you know, that's as my dad defined it at the time. And it was, um, so it was interesting, like having that experience on the other side, like what's it like on the, on that side of the fence, you know? And, um, and there's, there's multiple arguments for, for something like that. You know, I'm creating jobs, you know, I'm not exploiting anyone. And, um, and it was actually very profitable, you know, I made a lot of money. I didn't make that much money out of it, but it was a it was a successful magazine launch. He owns hundreds of magazines, but the the thing that is bothering me right now is that there was no bias towards what we were doing. I had full control of what we wrote and what we said. I don't understand how something like Fox News is allowed to exist when it's clearly not telling the truth. Yeah. You know, yeah. And it just seems like I feel like you have. I think the constitution works against the truth in some respects because it has, you know, freedom of speech, but then that enables fake news. And I don't understand where the journalistic value system is in something like that. I don't understand how people can actively, you know, mislead people through journalism. I thought it was like an honor, honored profession, like the legal system, but that's where I think it's all unraveling is that people are actually you know, setting up entire news networks designed to manipulate the truth. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not just Fox News, though. No. Um, I mean, even CNN now, you know, and other left-wing radio stations or uh, television stations and, and journalism uh, outlets, I think the big thing is that it's about dollars. They're in it for yeah. money. Yeah. A lot of times, for instance, now CNN in particular used to be one of those news sources where they're known for being on the ground mm-hmm. where things are happening. Yeah. You know, there was at one point I remember we were watching coverage of uh, like Hurricane Katrina and sometimes there weren't even reporters talking. It was just live feed. 
mm-hmm. of what was going on in New Orleans. Yeah. And that was how you got your reporting. So you could objectively tell. Now, a lot of places, especially like CNN, just do in-studio pundits, just yeah. people talking, people talking. It's opinions. And that's not, not news. Yeah. yeah. That's just people saying, yeah, they, yeah. they get opinions that spark controversy because mm-hmm. that gets ratings. And then we just watch the head circle jerk, even Anderson Cooper, you know, and I, I love him, uh, but and it's just circle jerking between yeah, each other. Yeah. No, totally. It would be better if we just saw what was happening. Yeah. You know? No, absolutely. And I think, I think that's why people are so confused. But then I think when facts come out, they're just obfuscated by, you know, unopposing, you know, the alternative fact. Yeah. So I think a lot of, you know, times that if I was um, a journalist at Fox, I would try to be, you know, the balance within that. But no one seems to be doing that. Well, I can't remember. What was the female reporter who's leaving, actually? Um, I don't know. She was... Um, she Because of this? Yeah. And she she was the one that she actually did one of the... Uh, I think it was with Anderson Cooper. She did one of the... Um, the, the election um, debates. And he said she was like bleeding from every, you know, blood was coming out of her. <laughs> it was like horrible. Megyn Kelly. Oh, Megyn And yeah. um, so he, he completely, you know, attacked her personally. And then she was also implicated in the whole um, head of Fox, you know, abuse scandal. So there was like a book a, out, like a new book. She has a book out yeah. and she's left. Yeah. You know, but she was trying to fly the flag for, you know, balance right. of Fox. And then of course, you know, it's the brick wall and leaves. So I just think it's, uh, that's the most dangerous thing right now is people are just, if you watch Fox's coverage of what's going on right now, you wouldn't see a problem. Yeah, no. I mean, none of this is like uh, an issue. Even the, the, the one I loved this morning, they had a chart, which um, was ISIS, right? <laughs> And it was like, uses chemical <laughs> weapons, kills people, blows people up. And then they have Steve Bannon. And it was like, X, does none of these things. And I was like, hang on a minute. Is this is this all you can come up with? Is this for? journalism? This is like, well, at least he's not ISIS. Right? <laughs> I was like, that can't be a chart. Like, how can that be a chart on a new show? Like, you've just got five horrific abuses and then... Five things this guy doesn't do. I saw I saw a it clip of like, Kellyanne wow. Conway this morning where she was saying, um, "There, you know, of course they're always challenging her and her alternative facts." And uh, they said something. They were talking about uh, it was either the the ban or you know one of his recent things. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Okay, look, this is just obviously a blatant lie right here." And she says, "But what about all the times he's told the truth?" Yeah, no, but it's that, like, uh, uh, okay. okay. That's like saying, that? sorry, officer, I know I was drunk this time, but what about all the times mm. I, I was driving and I wasn't drunk? You never pulled me over then. What about all the times <laughs> I didn't murder my entire family? <laughs> yeah. You know, I didn't yeah. murder them every day up until this time. I'm looking know? at this and I, I'm, I'm screaming. I'm like, I don't care what side of the political fence you're on, just logic mm. and intelligence. But I think that, um, I think that there's going to, come a point most likely where uh, we reach like some sort of, I don't know if it's going to be an ultimatum, but mm-hmm. some sort of head where enough important people, especially in, even in the political system say, look, we can't, mm. we're done with this. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hope that happens. I I was hoping it would have happened already. Oh, but it yeah. seems, uh, it seems like the Republicans are having too good a time. You know, they're like riding the coattails. They're in charge. He's getting his pet projects. Steve Bannon's got his pet projects. They're they're doing everything else. Steve Bannon's pet project is just like genocide. Yeah. I don't whatever it is. Mike 
Pence has got his own, you know, like let's just destroy, take women back to the, you know, medieval times. Pence looks you know? like one of the lizard lizard, lizard men. Like just, there you go. Just you should like, get Alex Jones on. That would be an amazing guest guest for you. I don't. I, I, I'm I thinking listen about it. In on you that. You he's, he's, he's insane. That would be good. I saw him on Joe Rogan's uh, thing the other day, and you know, Joe Rogan can go pretty far out there. Yep. But he was just like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> he was going on about the pedophile ring and the alien lizard conspiracy and pizza. What was that pizza? Oh, gate? pizza gate! Like this whole. I was my like, girlfriend wow, did a deep dive into that, and yeah. I came home and she was just like, she had like she'd drawn charts on the wall. Oh yeah, and she was. It's like she's like she was you taking me. Get home and it's the living room from Stranger Things. You know, <laughs> it's like a monster in the corner. Like, I, I came home. Uh, she's she's uh, like, I'm, I've done the research. This is definitely true. I was like. Eh. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. I read, I read a cut. I just, that was like a rabbit hole. I didn't want to go down. Yeah. I don't know. It's, and if you see this symbol, this symbol is the, is the FBI classification for pedophiles. It was on the pizza. Hillary Clinton knows about, I'm like, look, it's a open and shut case. Yeah. Not really. (laughs) No, some of that stuff. Um, I used to listen to Alex Jones years ago, actually. And, um, but he's just gone way down. Like I loved his Area 51. It seemed so innocent back yeah, then, you know. Yeah. It was just like alien shit. Those are like now those are the times we wish we yeah. wish for. Like, oh like everyone thought he was a lunatic. It was fine. You know, now he's got power and people listening to him, you're like, no, that's dangerous now, you know. <laughs> like when he was just talking about the gray alien conspiracy, and I'm like, Yeah, that's great. We can do Independence Day and make fun of it and do sci-fi, but now it's political. It sort of seems very dangerous. I just want yeah. Trump to release some alien information. That would be fine. That would make all of this worthwhile. I, I 100% agree. If he just suddenly went, you know what? And he'll do it on true. Twitter. He'll yeah. fucking do it on Twitter. Yeah. Just show a picture of him with an alien. That That's all I'm looking for right now. <laughs> it's like him at Area 51 doing a selfie. He said, he said next week... We're going to be revealing some very impressive information. You're going to be very excited. Uh, we're going to be creating a lot of jobs. So maybe. Oh, maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe that's we it. have another planet he hasn't told us about. <laughs> some new technology. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I don't know, man. Um, these, these so-called judges and these so-called. These oh, yeah. The guy, yeah, George Bush. Yeah. In, in, yeah. In There's yeah, no such no. thing as a so-called judge. Right? No, apparently not. It's a so-called president, though. Yeah, yeah. That's actually becoming a meme as well. <laughs> Not my president, so-called president. <laughs> We've got to be careful. I'm going to Marrakesh in a week. So yeah. I'm sure they'll put that on a like an, an embargo list. You want I'll, to be able to get and back. And I'll be stuck there. Oh, you know? yeah. They don't Thanks to it. this. You know, I'll be like, no, I was joking. I was it was joking. a comedy show. <laughs> I didn't mean any of that. What are you talking about? Huge fan. So what's next for you? What's the next big thing? So um, so I'm doing more more projects with Intel. And uh, so focusing on, it's like this sort of new area where you can create an asset, a virtual asset, and it can live, you know, augmented reality on your phone in a room scale VR experience or, or a live hologram. So no one's really focused on that right now. So everyone's doing one or the other. I'm like, well, why can't we do them all at the same time? Um, so we're creating some stuff. We've got three music projects coming up. I can't say the names yet but one of them is a famous animated band so that's a clue um and we're we're, we're looking at how do we use all of these new technologies across you know a tour and a 
and a marketing campaign for them. So that's that's cool. And then we're doing Stephen Hawking. So um, I'm partnered with a company called Art Media, and they're already doing a holographic project with him. So they've uh, essentially doing a night with Stephen Hawking, but it's his hologram. And that's wow. going to be all over Asia at the same time. So he'll be in multiple venues. Um, Is he doing it live and then it's being broadcast? It's a p- part, bit of both. So there's a bit of pre-record and then there's a live Q&A. Um, wow. That's holographic. And then I'm doing the virtual reality uh, companion piece to that. So the, the thing we're doing wow. will be you know, scanning him. Uh, in a number of different ways, using every technology available because it's Stephen Hawking. Right. And then uh, you'll put your virtual reality headset on and you'll be on a space platform with Stephen Hawking and then he will take you on an adventure around the universe. Wait, where's where's that going to be? That's going to be everywhere. So, where you know. Can, where can, how can I do that? Yeah, so I'll bring it back. We'll yeah. do it. Yeah. I'll, I'll put you in the in the headset. That'll be probably end of, end of the summer. Fuck yeah. Um, awesome. And you know you'll be in a black hole with Stephen Hawking, and he'll be explaining it to you. That's exact. That's exactly what what I've always wanted to do. Yeah, me too. This is like this is where VR actually is better than a movie, right? Yeah. Uh, he's done that actually as a film with Errol Morris called A Brief History of Time, and it's cool. But he's essentially you know you're watching on a television set, being able to walk around, look at him, you know, eye to eye, and then suddenly transport you into this universe is uh that's like a dream you know so this is when the technology suddenly really starts showing its true i would love self, to drop some know? acid and do that you can do that again and again that would be try all sorts of different just, drugs each time you know <laughs> yeah it's uh so that's a that's exciting and we're doing uh and that that can be an endless project because basically intel helped build steven's voice so essentially, we can just keep that The going. voice he uses now. Yeah. He actually, uh, they give him a new voice every year, incidentally, and he doesn't want them. So they're becoming more human all the time. So their voice recognition, speech recognition programs, and he's like, well, this is my voice now. Yeah. So I can't change it. So they've been for like 15, 20 years giving him upgrades every year, and he just declines. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. Because, <laughs> you know, it wouldn't be the same if he sounded human. Yeah. You know, if he sounded, it sounds like a cyborg and it fits almost. People associate know. that voice with him. Yeah, it's his voice. I mean, even though it's actually public domain voice, you know, anyone can use that. <laughs> um, it's his voice now. So, but you you can type dialogue into that, you know. So essentially that's an endless uh, journey through through time. Um, another artist actually who's working with Intel, Eliza, McNitch, she's doing a similar thing with Carl Sagan. And Carl's no longer with us, but his, you know, there's tons and tons of amazing voice recordings of his. He's one of my favorites, and he's yeah. such a. Um, I feel like he's a, uh, like my, my uh, astrophysical uncle. Mm. You know, just like a really, really, really um, gives me some some hope for the universe. Well, he had, you know. He was almost like, a, 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 I mean, a, an amazing futurist because he was predicting stuff that's happening right now, yeah. you know, which is fairly incredible. Stephen Hawking never really did that, but he's got another level of knowledge that we don't have. So I think those, that's what I'm trying to focus on right now. This is my punk moment, right? Yeah, Where, yeah. okay, I don't want to waste 
this year just doing fluff, you know, and just doing stuff that doesn't matter. Science is under attack right now. You know, the history, like creationists are running the school system. So, um, <laughs> have you seen SNL's, uh, skit on, um, DeVos, DeVos? No, crazy. I haven't seen it. I, you know, that, that to me is dangerous. So making, putting, uh, information, factual information, science, you know, inspiration out there is, uh, I think that's our job right now, you know, not to just entertain. So I think education and, um, definitely kind of letting the music stuff that the artist I'm working with run the jewels is an artist. I did a video for they're, they're like the resistance to yeah. me, you know, yeah. they're meaningful. It's not pop music. It's, it's, uh, it's like public enemy at its prime and that, you know, it mattered. So I think that's how I'm kind of aligning my projects right now is like, does it matter? If it doesn't matter, I'm not doing it. You bring the music back. You bring some Richard Feynman's back. There you go. Bring some seconds back. Yeah. And those, I mean, you know, we was talking with my girlfriend and I thought to myself, you know, where are the, where are the thought leaders? Where are mm. they now? And, and if they're not, if they're not alive, we should bring them back. Yeah. Why can't Martin Luther King come back? Bring him back. We, we, we need people like that yeah. right now, you know? And I think, uh, you know, we're talking to the Nelson Mandela estate. There's all these estates are, you know, they're all about maintaining the legacy. Yeah. So it has to be, you know, it's very precise what, what you do and you don't sell, you respect the family, sell that character to uh, a yeah. Budweiser commercial. Sell to you Marvel. Know. They're, they're eating everything. But, you know, there's, there's a, there's a wealth of knowledge there. And I think it's, you know, there aren't those uh, contemporary figures standing up yeah. who are, who are lead. you know, we've got what, Bernie and Elizabeth Warren. I mean, I think they're great, but they're not, they're not that, you know? Yeah. Then, and they never will be. So I know I'm, I'm all for that. Like the, the holographic stuff is a brilliant way. Uh, and it's actually not hologram. It's a, it's a misleading statement, right? Hologram is just one thing you can do with a virtual character. So it's actually virtualizing the character. Yeah. Um, the, the deceased artists are called, that's called digital resurrection. That's what they call that. So that is like huge, like bringing people back when we need them. It's a little bit like Jurassic yeah. Park. Yeah. You know, it is. Take it out of the amber. Yeah. You know. And then, you know, and then wreak havoc, <laughs> kill all <laughs> the kids in the park. Could have a park full of like evil Sagans. Just, yeah, <laughs> just giant Sagan. But you know, the, but then the, the distribution platform, like seeing a live hologram, I mean, everyone remembers the two pack one. It was yeah. at Coachella, you know, it, it wasn't any less meaningful than seeing, you know, Snoop Dogg or no. Dr. Dre. It was more. Especially when they're alongside their contemporaries who they were actually, yeah, exactly. I would love, I, I watched, um, uh, a Feynman, um, physics lecture last weekend and i thought to myself this is pretty good but i wish i could see him live yeah why not but i want to say i think um the vr the room scale vr version of that would be even more powerful because that's one-on-one -on -one, yeah right a hologram you're you're in a theater still it's a proscenium stage and there's a character standing on the stage that's better than watching a video right but then better than watching someone from a seated position is standing in front of them yeah you know, and they're talking to you and then they're showing you what they're talking about, you know, in a virtual world, you know, taking you on these journeys. So it's really powerful medium. And I think that's what no one's really using it for this yet. You know, so that's what I'm most excited about in, in my career right now is 
is actually, you know, using the medium to transport people to show them important things through history. Um, we're doing another project, which is actually time traveling through the wonders of the world. So one of the wonders of the world is the hang, Hanging Gardens of Babylon, which yeah. is in Iran, which is yeah. now a flattened car park. You know, so actually going to somewhere like that and then in a VR headset, just taking people back a thousand years and seeing the culture, like seeing you, you, you have a different perspective about that country when you know the origin story. Yeah. It's the same thing with anything. So I think um, there are loads of documentaries about this, but they've hit a wall in terms of impact. What they, what they can damage. There's a certain experiential quality. You know, yeah. when I went to Egypt and I saw the pyramids, mm -hmm. it's different than watching a video. Completely. completely but this different. is closer to being there. And, and if you can then travel back and forth, you know, it's really powerful seeing the destruction or the creation of, of, a, of a civilization in front of your very eyes. I would love to. I would love to see the libraries at Alexandria. Yeah. I would love to see, you know, I'd love to see even, even something that's currently, uh, you know, still around, but the construction of the Statue of Liberty, yeah. you know, seeing it being yeah. built. Um, and I think it will help to put into context for a lot of young people where these things we take for granted came from. Oh, good, yeah. You know, the struggle. Yeah, you the know, struggle. It's like it just seems like it's just part of the furniture right now, but the things people, um, they fought for the right to yeah. build these things. Yeah. In, in some cases. So recreate yeah, tearing down the Berlin wall. Yeah. I mean, if you really want to see history. Yeah. Well, actually going back to Jurassic park, I mean, now that more than ever is important. You know, if you're being taught that dinosaurs don't exist at school, then, you know, you got to combat that. You're going to actually, you're wrong. And this is, take a look at this. I mean, I, I, anyone who, who would, who would combat that idea, it, it, the, well, the woman who's in charge of the education system is going to come back there. And she's telling people that, you know, we have guns in schools to because bears. of grizzly bears. I mean, that's <laughs> if she, that's, that's the to, number one threat. You have to look at it with a little right bit of cop. Yeah. There has to be some comedy to it. <laughs> who's going to play her, though? I, I love this idea. Someone posted on uh, Facebook this week that all of Trump's cabinet should be played by women, right? <laughs> You see the Sean Rosie Spicer. O'Donnell. You see the Sean yeah, Spicer. It's phenomenal. The, yeah. I mean, it was yeah. wonderful. But Rosie O'Donnell playing Steve Bannon. <laughs> I mean, that has to happen. Alec he Baldwin's just, hosting on Saturday, right? Seventeenth uh, record breaking. Who's hosting? Alec Baldwin. Again? Alec Baldwin's doing yeah, the whole show, of course, right? Of course. So they have to bring Rosie O'Donnell. I mean, he's oh. well, he's he's employed for life again, but uh, yeah, it's, he's been again. You know, I choose to look at it with some humor. <laughs> well, you have to. You laugh or cry, right? So let's let's laugh, laugh through it. But um, but yeah. But at the same point, you know, you've got you know, this is a great use of your voice, you know. And I think it just needs to be everywhere. You shouldn't be able to escape this next yeah. four years. You know, yeah. there should be no safe hiding yeah. place. It's kind of like a Clockwork yeah. Orange. Just hold your eyes open. Yeah, Fucking hold just, your eyes just open. Keep uh, don't don't put your head in the sun. It's very indulgent. I, I read a really good article yesterday about people who who are saying they want to stay out of it. They don't want to get political, and it's a very um, it's entitlement behavior, right? Yeah. It's just saying you know what, I don't need to worry about this. I'm okay. Yeah, it's a horrible situation. It's very um, the opposite of empathy. So I think everyone has to get politicized right now, or they're just like not they're not 
at the table. I was down at the protest yeah. at LAX and uh, people were freaking out, you know? Yeah. And, I, and I posted some stuff on social media yeah. and I actually took it down because in the comments, people were starting to attack each other. I was mm-hmm. like, God, yeah. I want to post this up here. And people were like, fuck this, fuck that. I was like, yeah. That's the most, you know? uh, that's the, le- the least, most disheartening aspect of this whole thing is the comments section. Yeah. Right. I'm just reading these, you know, amazing articles. Should turn the comments off. Oh, the comments are like, you know, Kate, you get a whole strand of really positive. This is amazing. This is the truth. Thank you for posting. And then suddenly you get the trolls. If one troll oh. enters though, yeah, the whole thread yeah, turns it bad. It just turns bad. Yeah, it you is. Know? It's like a, it's like a virus and it's, you know, but what are, my, my current hobby is then clicking on the troll page. Oh yeah. They always have five like, followers. Who is that? Yeah. Yeah. No and profile like, picture. It's tragic. It's like they're tra- it's a tragic like section of society where you're just looking at these people. I, was, I got like three in a row from Alabama not to like point a finger at Alabama. But I was like, okay, but they were just like, they look like they're terrible lives. And I'm like, you're just, it's like the, I don't know if you watched the last season of South Park, yeah. but the dad was like the troll, right? Yeah. And he has this nice life. He's Jewish. He's, you know, but he's just bored. Yeah. And he's just in his bedroom. Just and it's like an alter ego for him. It's not like he's a bad guy. Yeah. He has an alter ego to be a troll. And I was like, you know what? This is probably horribly accurate. Yeah. It, it gives a small of amount of, a small burst of like weird dopamine power. To, to get response. It's, power. Yeah. it's like you feel you have some power over people, you know, or something over them. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, it's completely virtual. There's nothing real about that power, but it can affect people negatively, you know? Yeah. It's horrible. But uh, yeah, that I'm obsessed with the comments page right now. That's like the worst thing. It's like a horror film <laughs> every time. I'm just waiting for the troll to pop up and then suddenly <laughs> here we go. It's normally about 50 comment, 15 comments in. My, uh, get one. My girlfriend does, uh, does YouTube videos and she has like a, like a beauty channel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, she'll post a video and she'll get about 15 comments. And then about comment 16, someone will say at minute three seventeen, her nose looks like a piece of poop. And I'm like, why, why were yeah. you, what? Yeah. who? And then, and then of course, then the trolls come in and then, yeah, look at her at four twenty seven. I'm like, so you watch the whole video. See, I think, um, I think at least on Facebook, you get to see their page. Yeah, yeah. Right. The YouTube trolls are even worse, I think, yeah. because they're anonymous. They're, the username will be like, fuck you. Yeah. You and know? they're like, there's no picture. They've got no videos yeah. up. It's like, there's no way of judging them. Facebook isn't as bad as YouTube or yeah. or Instagram or Twitter. Yeah. Facebook is not, is not as or, um Yeah, because Facebook has some, there's some sort of like personal identity attached to that. And like your mom is on your Facebook. Yeah. So, you try not to say the same things. I think it's that good you, that I, I read that Reddit yesterday. Um, they're taking a lot of the alt alt right sites down, and I'm like, okay, this is like not in the amendment. You know, it's it's prohibiting free speech, but fuck that. Yeah, you know, like just get rid of it's these not, people. I, I think there's this again. This is obviously a very this is a biased opinion because of who I am, but I th- I think it's in the best interest of everyone. Yeah, to take it out. I, I don't think it's helping. Anybody. I don't want. I mean, it's it's not. Um, it's like saying. Um, it's just hate speech. I don't yeah. understand how constructive that is for society to allow that to spread. It, it should almost be a criminal act. Yeah, to, to, like, to, like to say, well, the KKK can legally exist. 
why sh- why should yeah, they be able why, to though? why yeah. why it's not i mean today what was it he's he's uh the muslim brotherhood are now a terrorist organization yeah. right as of like whenever he decides <laughs> so why not make the kkk a terrorist organization yeah i mean they're an alt-right they're oh they're I'm alt- more worried about white people in in america than any muslim you know yeah in terms of like, and you look at the list of, you know, who's been shot by who and killed by who. It's like young children are the scariest, right? More They're much kids worse than terrorists. are dying. More people are dying from like lawnmower accidents yeah. than terrorists. No, it was guns with toddlers carrying guns, I think was higher yeah. than, than any terrorist yeah. stuff in the last, I mean, pre post 9-11. Well, Muslim terrorist stuff. There've been a lot of American terrorists. Yeah. You know, yeah. just really deranged teenage white kids going yeah. in and just murdering churches and murdering movie yeah. theaters. No, it's the, it's the access to guns plus, you know, prescription drugs. I mean, these are, you know, I look back at England sometimes, you know, and I've been here five years and I think well, we've got a lot of shit going on in England, but there's a few yeah. things we just didn't go down that road. One was no one has a gun, which yeah. is great. Yeah. And the prescription drug thing, like the, the idea that, you know, everyone's on some sort of medication. Um, didn't really happen either. Like people are just, or everyone's depressed in England. So we just get on with it. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's always raining. Everyone's depressed. We just go to the pub, you know, get over it. <laughs> just have a few pints and shut up and have a packet of crisps. But here you get addicted to fucking painkillers and then your mind just warps slowly over a period of time. Yeah. And then, oh, I'm I'm feeling unusual today and I happen to have a gun, you know? Yeah. So I think a lot of the the worst things about the the culture now stems from from those two things combined, you know? Yeah. And uh and that's that's something that's alien to me because we didn't have either of those problems. We have a lot of other problems. I find that traveling around the world too, I've noticed that America is not the certainly not the only country, mm-hmm. but one very we're still very weird about the racial thing. Yeah. It, that's a there's like a yeah. hard it's different every country has a little bit of it yeah but it's very it's a very hard line here you are black you mm. are mexican yeah and we're a melting pot but we're also very aware yeah where everyone is uh-huh. um and we i have think a really we, big class system in england actually which, yeah. which i don't notice that as much here just it's a more one big middle class here yeah it's racist here yeah but there it's like you're you're born into a certain you know you, you should stay in your class system yeah. But it's not so rigid in like the gender issues aren't as, as strong and the uh, and the race issues. But yeah. the class issues are high. Whereas here, it's the other way around. It's like you know, there are genuine second class citizens because of color. Yeah, you know, especially in certain areas of America. I think you know, obviously the big cities are very cosmopolitan because and, they have to be. Yeah, but, but you Alabama, just, you, know, you know, that big bit in the middle. I fly over <laughs> the the big the whole the scary country bit in the middle the, scary, the whole country the scary middle bit the scary ninety yeah. percent. Anyone who didn't go to the coast is, is scary. Well, look at the election map: California, yeah. New York. Did she win Florida? She lost Florida. It was close though. It was closer, closer than they thought, but she didn't close. win it. Yeah. It's always close in Florida. Yeah. They always fuck us. I'm from Florida. But Portland, yeah. you know, all these all the cool places seem to be like yeah. down the edge. Yeah. You know, and it's like, why would you want to live in the middle if you've got a really nice ocean out there? It's fucking hot enough as it is. It's way too hot for me. Look at the weather outside. It's amazing. Well, today it's okay. It's foggy. 
No, but it was sunny when I arrived. Yeah, it was. And now it's foggy. This is I the love worst. That. This is the worst it can get pretty much here, though. No, but that's what I mean. It's like we're, we're in a rarefied atmosphere. But why wouldn't you want that? Why do you want to be in like Arizona? Actually, a lot of friends nice. I have live in Arizona, actually, and they're saying, oh, it's great for food. Indiana. It's just too Why hot all day long. You're in air conditioning. I want to be in, in an environment that I can go outside. Well, you know? everyone else does. That's why it's so crowded here. Shit. I mean, you know, there's 500,000 English people in Santa Monica. I'm just warning you now. I'm wondering <laughs> when we're going to get banned. <laughs> that would be basically all the restaurants in Santa Monica would close overnight. It would just put ESSA <laughs> out of business if all the English people left. Would be like no cars on the road. There'd be like a couple of bikes. For honestly, I don't think anyone else lives in Santa Monica. Yeah, especially my, this bit. My favorite spot. Peter Martin, futurist, my friend. Thank you very much, man. Thank you. You just experienced the Rich Twenty Something Podcast. Ah, my friends, I hope you enjoyed listening to that throwback with Peter as much as I enjoyed creating it for you. In 2017, uh, that was a really, really cool episode to see in the light of where we are now in the world. And uh, I hope that you got a lot from it. You can check out this episode and all the other ones we have on newwaveentrepreneur.com where we have full show notes, archives, and just additional resources that we can't put on the major platforms. And make sure that you check out uh, everything we have going on within the community. The Discord is now on newwaveentrepreneur.com. We also have uh, workshop updates and all these other things that we have going on, free stuff. So make sure you check it out. That's it. Subscribe on all the platforms that you're watching on. Uh, this coming month, we're going to be ramping up YouTube even more. So make sure you're plugged in on our YouTube channel. Um, that is something that I want to work on growing because to be honest with you guys, I really haven't put any energy into YouTube since 2017 and I have a lot to say now, but I want to know people who are really watching this give a shit. And so when I post a video, go and give it a comment, give it a like. The, the whole thing about this life that I have intentionally or intentionally and kind of accidentally built for myself is that uh, I'm, I'll go around and I build communities and communities only exist when other people interact with each other. I have met all of my best friends at this point online, and many of them have come through just starting with a comment, leaving a comment on something that I post, or responding to an email. Uh, I know it seems like watching me or listening to me online that I'm uh, some sort of like like elevated because I'm speaking on a platform, literally a pedestal, a platform is a pedestal. I'm not. And I am just like you. So when you comment or you email and we have a conversation, that builds a relationship. And I certainly do like having a relationship with you. So make sure that you leave comments, that you reach out, that you are present for me and I'll be present for you. And we'll keep it up, baby. All right, that's it. The water's warm. The tide is rising. Let's jump on in and surf this new wave. Daniel, out.